0: To you live from Rockwell Business Center in Sheridan. Fine, it was pre recorded from this place. It's Third World Gaming featuring Critical Index. My name is Martin, and today we got a special guest. It's my co host, Charles, aka Sword9. We got a lot in store for you today. Well, fine, just two topics. So, how have you been, Charles? I'm doing
1: fine. It's a nice and sunny day. Could be a lot worse.
0: Yeah, I could overheat this again. (laughs) Cause we recorded this, uh, an hour earlier, but from where we recorded, it just heated up. But before we met today, we were somewhere last week. In fact, we were in Bonifacio Global City in a media interview with WWE's own Xavier Woods, host of Up Up Down Down, one of the most popular celebrity in YouTube. And as of this date, it has 1.7 million subscribers on YouTube.
1: And that is a Guinness World Record.
0: So Charles, care to tell me your experience being part of that Saviour Woods media interview?
1: Well, from my perspective, it was a really uh, wide and eye-opening experience. Because Xavier Woods, for a lot of people, are a lot of people would view him from different angles. There are the people who see him as Xavier Woods, the WWE superstar, the one part of the tag team champions. He is the guy who plays that damn trombone every time. And he is, you know, part of the New Day. And other people recognize him more as Austin Creed of Up, Up, Down, Down. And enjoy watching him play video games with other WWE superstars. So it was very interesting to see him uh, in person and blending these two seemingly very different worlds in one. And kind of showing that, yeah, you can be a gaming player. Uh, personality and be uh, a wrestling personality at the same
0: time in fact there was this one wrestlemania where he and the new day were dressed up as final fantasy characters that was interesting definitely interesting
1: now the thing though is he did talk about a lot of things at that event which we'll be uh, releasing in a article at critical index so look forward to that we'll be publishing it very very soon now, that aside, he did talk a lot a bit you know a lot about the uh about games in general and how gaming has affected him as a person and also how it's affected the locker room because originally before the entire conception of up up down down, he would have he would just have his own you know setup like his laptop, his gaming console, and he'd call it uh they call it labs, and eventually what started off was just him uh and like Kofi. And then he started, you know, and other people started joining him up, down, down. And Next thing you know, you have AJ Styles, you have Samoa Joe, and you have all these other talents just suddenly coming up. Hey, yeah, you know what? Let's go play games together. Let's, you know, let's do this thing together as a group because, like, you know, they wrestle. They wrestle all the time. So being able to bond over something else other than that... And something that can, you know, tighten that relationship between people and even building new relationships with people that you might not, that they might not normally be, you know, talking to uh, in the locker room as wrestlers. But eventually, if they have that point where they do need to, like, you know, interact in the ring, that relationship that they've built outside playing games. Will be more apparent. Like they'll be able to work together uh, much more comfortably than they would if they never talked before.
0: Indeed, indeed. And I also like that little story of his where he beat AJ Styles and AJ Styles got so mad he broke the controller. <laughs> and yeah, it's not just the YouTube channel of up, up Down Down itself. While it also built up the backstage community. Of WWE, like this, their new form of playing cards is playing video games now. It also formed a online community of up, up, down, down. And speaking of communities, aren't we supposed to talk about something? A certain game that got released in Japan 20 years ago that formed a community within a castle, formed an army, and the crux of that is behind the 108 stars of destiny.
1: Yes, yes, and we are celebrating the 20th anniversary. Released in Japan of Gensou Suikoden 2, one of the finest RPGs that you will ever see, from my you know, from my honest, from my honest opinion, and you know, from a time when Konami used to make really good games. Once upon a time, once upon a time, maybe not today.
0: So yes, welcome to our Suikoden 2 20-year anniversary episode. When we will talk about our love for this video game called Suikoden 2 and the rest of the Suikoden series. So Charles, let's start off with your experience with Suikoden 2. So I heard just like myself, this was the very first Suikoden game you played before you got hooked into the entire series as it is.
1: Yep, uh, my first game was 2 and because of that, that's how uh, I got interested in like seeing, okay, so if this, this is the second game, where's the first so I started hunting down a copy of the first Suguden game, and when it, and when I did get around to playing it, I'm like, yeah. So this is what happened to Flick and Victor before yeah. they became these mercenaries in a fortress with a quote-unquote bear. Oh, sorry, it was a lion flag that looked like a bear. It'll always be a bear to me. So yeah, it was my very first uh, Suikoden game, and. I was just completely floored with how good it looked at the time because it pushed the boundaries of how good sprite art could look in that generation. Yeah, sure. You had games like FF7, uh, that were dominating, you know, like the popularity contest, FF8 with their newfangled 3D graphics, you know, cloud and uh, Tifa and her, you know, polygonal boobs, you know, 3D boxy stuff. And then, ff8 with the super pixelated handsome face right but yeah but suikoden 2 chose to go with the more traditional 2d art and it paid off big time it it easily stands up today as a really good looking you know game It, it aged well because it stuck with polished 2d art instead of going with the more experimental 3d graphics So I think that's something that was one of the first things that immediately caught my attention. And of course, that's not even counting the beautiful music. Like the moment you have that opening, that one, that that chanting, and then that slow beat of the drum that comes up, that speeds up, that opening cutscene. And then you have these slew of all these different colorful characters. You have Sheena, you have Flick, Victor. Then you have the armies, like CG army raising up their banners as it slowly cr- uh, comes up into its crescendo with Luca Blight standing atop a hill of goddamn bodies yeah. with that damn maniacal face and laughing at, you know, the sheer chaos and destruction he's caused. And then, boom, aftermath. You have the burnt uh, village of Toto. And then from there, like, the music really slows down. And you can, as you're looking at the ashes, and slowly it starts building up again, like bump, bum bum bump. and you know it builds up again. And there's a hope, there's that hopeful feeling. Then you see the cast of the characters, the heroes, that you'll eventually be able to gather under the stars of destiny. Kamus, Miklotov, Kamus, Kamus. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> Xavier. Sorry, this is your fault. <laughs> all right. So then you see all the other stars of destiny just coming in there, and the music. It just it takes you on a full story. Just that opening sequence, and it does a really good job of just hyping you up before you've even pressed start. Not a lot of games can do that.
0: And not a lot of games could, you know, fool 11-year-old Martin into saying, oh man, I died after diving off a cliff? Ah, I have to reset this game again. Because the the next video, the quote-unquote proper opening video starts up. The black and white thing. Yeah. I always thought that that's the game over sequence. <laughs> the I mean, like, I thought after fighting off the highlands, people might be saving us from there. Apparently, no. I should have just waited. (laughs) My bad. But yeah, after that sequence, it also has a touching intro sequence that highlighted the friendship between Joey and Ryo and also a bit of Nanami before you open up to the real game where the bear picks you up from the stream.
1: So yeah, Suikoden 2 is really one of those classics that I feel every RPG fan should get around to especially if they can make the time for it because uh it is time consuming it is that ps1 era rpg and those will uh have those grindy moments because a lot of the older school rpgs were really about like part of it was telling the story and then the grind was kind of to help pad out the hours to make the you know the entire experience longer Because they did put that on the back of CDs back in the day. It's like, you know, oh, 80 hours of gameplay. And you notice it's um, like 40 hours of that is is grinding. So that's uh, something that I feel you should kind of walk in there knowing. With the expectation that, yeah, this will be a little grindy. I mean, a lot of people were already, a lot of people kind of felt a little uh, shocked with the grindiness in Persona 5 when it came out. There were a number of people who were saying, oh, this is like pretty grindy. Because, you know, um, the mementos. The mementos was kind of grindy because it's how many years has it been since, you know, Persona 4 came out. So some people going into Persona 5 with this being their first, you know, Persona game, some maybe even their first RPG, like JRPG, I mean, because a lot of JRPGs sure still come out to market and have that same uh, that same grindy formula. But Persona 5 was not your normal JRPG, which is within that niche market. Persona Five was mainstream gaming, so a number of people who had just been playing what God of War—not well, not God of War yet—it wasn't out yet—but let's say Uncharted, or uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, or those kinds of games, or even other like you know other story-based, The Last of Us. A lot of, you know, a lot of the, you know, younger players today aren't used to seeing that grindy JRPG experience if you weren't a fan to begin with. So with the exposure that Persona 5 had, <clears throat> that grind was relatively new. So with and 2, this is one of the, you know, one of the prime examples where you do need To spend time between main story, you know, story plots. To really build up your level and experience and sharpen your goddamn weapons. (laughs) Upgrade it so that you're not gonna be clobbered in the next boss fight.
0: Well, you played one after this, right? So I was like confused in one where I had five blacksmiths just to level up my freaking sword. Thank God this one, and two. it only takes... One blacksmith has just got to collect his blacksmith making hammers.
1: So yeah, that's something that you should really take into consideration because the grind might turn some people off, especially if it catches them off guard. And a lot of people today just, I mean, I really think that a lot of people don't have the patience to grind through it. And I don't really blame people for that per se, because it's just the way that things have changed. Uh, a lot of games now are a lot better paced in the sense that they deliver a story uh with the action at the same time, and it's a lot more cinematic, a lot more engaging. So having those grinds between stories will kind of have a bit of a dissonance, I guess, for some people. Where oh, you're involved in a very complex and a very political story, and then oh, gotta kill a couple monsters. <laughs> so yeah, there's like there's a certain dichotomy to it. Where you have that story and then you have the gameplay. Okay, so uh that's a, that's a really long introduction for Suigaden 2. For the people though who aren't familiar with it, we've probably been talking about it for like I don't know how many minutes now. But Suigeden 2 was an RPG released by Konami uh twenty years ago in Japan. And it followed the story of Ryo, or whatever you can name your hero really, as uh, as a youth in this unicorn brigade with his best friend Joey. And as they're camping in the uh the forest one night on the border patrol, because they've been at war with the uh the neighboring Jouston city states. So they've been there and this, but there's been like a truce and they've been discussing peace. So they're there at the border and they suddenly realize that they're under attack. Someone's attacking the camp, they say. And then they say it's this it's the city state. No And as fires and chaos rage through the camp, uh your main character and Joey try to escape until they realize that it's all a big fake plot of Luca Blight, the Prince of Highland, to basically have a reason to declare war on the city-states.
0: Also, Captain Roud tells you to go to a certain point just to escape. Then when you come back to report to him that it was a trap, he turns around and says, It was me, Ryu and Joey. (laughs) It was me all along.
1: So eventually, you and your best friend try to hightail it before marking a, a, a stone at the waterfall. Before making a leap of faith and hoping that you both survive together. So and that's where you, the story generally begins, where you, uh, you as a main character and your best friend, uh, have to are separated, and eventually you must reunite and follow this long plot. To see where this war will take you, or will you have to try to make it home and realize that there may there might not be a home to return to? So yeah, that's the uh, introduction to Suikoden two, where eventually your main character will become a leader of the city-states of Jouston, and you must confront now your form, you know, your best friend Joey, who's become the eventual you know leader of the Highland armies. So, that's the general plot summed up in a nutshell.
0: And yes, you will feel betrayed by Joey because he will do some rather not-so-good-guy kind of moves. One would be murder. The other would be conspiracy of a certain murder, which will be at your hands, by the way, not his. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a pretty good story about two best friends between two warring states. That is between the new Jouston army because the old Joustan is just died because Highland killed a certain city off and will be sacrificing it to a literal spirit wolf <laughs> versus Highland. And in the story it'll be ironic because the one who adopted Ryu and Nanami had a best friend too and they also had a war with each other using the same two runes which will be the bright shield rune and the black sword rune and These two runes actually create that mythos of Suikoden where the world... The rune of beginning. Yes, the rune of beginning. And it's nice that they made this story at Suikoden 2. And I think that's the best way for them to time it because this was the height of the cult hit of their series, which was Suikoden 2.
1: So yeah, before we continue gushing on any more about the game and why we feel that it's easily one of the best games... We've both played. Let's go into a little bit more of a discussion because it's the twentieth anniversary, and in Japan last month, in November, there was an there was a concert for this for the exact uh, for the anniversary. So they had like an orchestra and they played it. And I did have a friend who was able to fly out to Japan and attend the concert and get signatures from some of the staff that had worked on the game. And I was just dying of envy when I was first told about him and, and there was a picture uh along with the signatures and um, no, I I I wished I was I was in Japan at that time. But my trip to Japan is still next year. So sad that I missed out on it. However, however what I did manage to console myself with was the Kickstarter that was uh recently finished, recently concluded for uh the 2 Orchestral CD. Where they basically, uh, requested, uh, and got the approval for the license of the music from Konami in order to create the orchestral CD, where they would have an orchestra, they'd have a piano, and they'd be recording, uh, the major songs, uh, from, you know, from Suikoden 2, excluding the Suikoden 1 tracks, such as Greg Minster, because that was from one. However, they did tease that after working on two, they would consider creating a CD for one. And then after that, they consider other RPGs from the PS1 era. So those are some of the yeah celebrations that they've had, which goes to show that even in Japan, they haven't forgotten this franchise. There are still fans who want more of this kind of, you know, game, of these kinds of games, which unfortunately Konami just seems no longer interested in making. Why Konami? Why? He used to be cool. Used to be.
0: Once, But I guess it's a slight blessing in the disguise, because in the current modern era of video games, if we have a than two remaster, I don't think we'll get the 108 Stars of Destiny on the base game we might have to get a DLC pack of it, considering the whole economics of video games now. So slightly thank God, but at the crux of it, F you Konami,
1: F you. Oh well. You can go ahead and suck on that Metal Gear Survive while you can, Konami. Suck on that teeth till it runs dry. All right, so enough Konami-hating Konami, uh, Konami hating because, you know, we have better things to do in life, which is to celebrate the past that Konami used to be. That said, though, what do you feel, Martin, would be some of the things that you feel modern games could take away from a game like Suikoden 2*?
0: Just the simple story it puts on the main story of the RPG, which is the story of friendship between two friends and how certain circumstances of, or certain conflicts of beliefs would separate them at one point and maybe an eventual reunion at the end. If you get the true ending, by the way, you know, it's just that simple storytelling. But it's so simple, it can strike a chord to almost everyone because you and I, we have best friends. We have people who we are close to. We have people who we call us family even though we're not related to blood. And this is something that and two tackles with. Especially with your character and Nanami who were adopted by Genkaku. Who ironically wielded the White Shield rune before you did. And fine, maybe some sub-stories like the social class struggles. We got that in Two River City because it literally had how many types of people there were humans there were kobolds and they were the winged people the winged people who were like the outcasts the poverty stricken people hell yeah some yeah taco. even a two river resident called them i mean they really literally called them in the translation squatters illegal settlers there's like a class struggle there in the small story that's part of the main story Of you trying to get those armies of all the cities to rally against the Highland army. It's calling for unification in the midst of this war. With a powerhouse that is the Highland army. An army that from the start you said, I don't think we'll win. I think they'll trample on us like god freaking Zilla and we're like Bambi. But no, just like Persona 4, the power of friendship. The power of a same cause will overtrump even the biggest gods or goddesses like Izanami are yelled about for Persona 5. But in this case, the Highland friggin' army with its demon wolf, uh, you'll figure it out in the ending if you don't have the time to play the game because, you know, stuff, there's YouTube, just check it out there, you know what I mean. Final boss battle, Suikoden and input that on your YouTube. Oh, anyway, Charles, what do you think Swigert and two could teach the modern games of today?
1: I think it would be important to learn how you can blend uh, a sense of light, you know, lighthearted moments to help make your heavier moments feel much, you know, heavier than they can, you know, than they normally would be. 'Cause you need to have those light notes to complement your lower notes. So you have that moment so like, where you have a cooking contest. Yes. You're having a cooking contest, like, and you're having your strategist be the judge for some of your for some of the dishes that you're preparing. And then at the same time in the next couple of, you know, next couple of minutes, you're in the war room and you're discussing your very slim chances for survival in the next, you know, in the next conflict. So sure, it might seem very, dispar- you know, very disparate uh, moments, but it's because you have these light moments that help, you know, really push in how heavy, you know, these times can really be, and how, despite these trying times, in you know, in the story, you can take a couple moments to make it a little bit lighter because. The characters are still human. They still have that moment where they do need to take time to recharge themselves and prepare for what could possibly be the most important moment of their lives. You know, the next fight, or it could be their last. Especially since I'm not sure if a lot of people realize this playing because I don't think it happens too often. But you can have characters die in the war, uh, in, in the in the uh, the war segment of you can Two. And you won't be able to access them ever again. I mean, not all of them will have like very severe consequences. But you can have them die there and they'll never be playable again.
0: Unfortunately, I experienced that in Suikoden 1. But I was fortunate enough to not have anyone die during my war scenes in Suikoden 2. Mm-hmm. Except the ones who will die because of storyline reasons. And I think you'd like to touch on that. Uh, especially the Highland... Uh, the Highlanders who switched over to our party, which will be Kiba and Klaus.
1: Ah yes, the story of father and son who left uh Highland in order to join the the, the Jouston city states. Yeah, because that's an example of how people's loyalties are not always just blind and that sometimes they'll follow what they feel is the most honorable path for them. As was the case with Kiba and Klaus. Especially for Kiba, who was a battle-hardened and elderly general, who at one point eventually had to sacrifice himself so that his son could have a better future than he, you know, than he did. So those are some you know, key moments that in the game that really helped drive the point that, yeah, this is war. There will be casualties, and there will be prices to pay for everyone. And this is actually one of the main conflicts of an antagonist, To the heroes, which is Leon Silverberg, a former strategist from Suikoden 1, who joins Highland in an attempt to end the war as fast as possible with as few casualties as possible. He wants to do the right thing, but he, you know, but he just sees it from such a pragmatic perspective that he joins Highland because he believes that they have the best chance to end this quickly with as few casualties. But, you know, mm, he was wrong. So, so wrong.
0: And on the other side, for the, your army, you have Apple, who was part of Mathui's, uh, students, and another one, a disgraced student, who Shoo. became a economist. What's his name? His name was Shu. Not the footwear, as in S-H-U, not Shu. Yeah, yeah. But you guys get it. It's nice how you see this reformed man turned strategist to your army trying to do the right thing on your side. So yeah, how about you, man? What storylines did you like from Suikoden 2*?
1: Well, I would have to say that one storyline that uh, since since we mentioned Shu, I feel that his story arc was also very, very important. Especially when he gave Apple the test. If you remember in the story... When he tossed the coin, because you're trying to make him your strategist, but he refuses. Because he believes that there is no way to win the war properly. And that, you know, trying to fight it is useless. It's pointless. It will do nothing. And it will only bring more suffering. But he said, okay, go ahead. I'll join you if you can find this coin that I tossed into the river. So he tosses the coin and Apple the the young strategist in your team at that moment decides to go on and try to find the the coin in the river it's a shallow river but she spends the entire evening and go off into the morning trying to find the coin only to realize that Shu had pulled a con that the coin never actually you know landed in the river and that she would be searching endlessly for it But eventually, though, he did realize, he came to terms that maybe, you know, with this kind of effort that Apple and everybody else is putting in, maybe it's not such a hopeless cause. That maybe, you know, it kind of brought about the kind of human uh, side of him, which up until this point had not really been that very visible because he was very cold, very cunning. He was intelligent beyond reason. He was hyper-intelligent. But... Again he was very jaded with you know with being a strategist sorry with being a strategist as was his predecessors like the silverbergs as leon said were only remembered in times of war nobody remembered them when it was peacetime so to see shu have this change of heart to decide to become a strategist to help what could be the you know a great cause was a story arc that I felt was really great. But at the same time, he also kept that very pragmatic perspective in order to ensure victory. Because if there was one thing he was going to make, he was going to ensure, it's that it was that they won. And he wasn't afraid to pay certain prices. And at one point, even gambled his own life mm. to ensure victory, which was the reason why Leon Silverberg had lost. Because, uh, because Shu had gambled his own life into it, something that Leon had never considered, because he always perceived himself as important to the cause and that he could no way, he could, he could not reasonably risk himself, because if he died, it's, it's game over. But Shu was willing to put himself on the line, and his gamble paid off.
0: Yeah, well, for me, it's always going to be the main story. Uh, ryu and joey as he said uh joey slashed that stone there at the beginning it'll be nice to see that full circle at the end when they come back there just to meet with each other and duel against each other until joey kind of gets hurt because of his rune is eating him alive yeah only through the power of both runes would he be restored back to health And eventually you'll find out Nanami is alive, too. If you get the very good ending that is, guys. If you collect all the 108 stars of destiny. So it's like a mini Pokemon, if you think about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay, though. Martin, are you ready for our Blue Lightning Round?
0: I was hoping you'd say Bear, but F. Teddy from Persona 4. Yes, I'm ready for the Blue Lightning Round.
1: Alright, so first question favorite unite attack from suikoden 2
0: it has to be the friendship attack between Rio and joey and
1: i'm gonna go with the family attack plus uh. i was it plus or extended i forgot what you call it but it's the family attack where you have nanami just having a picnic and relaxing and lounging around while Rio does all the work
0: and that makes her not unbalanced because usually she gets dizzy or so she gets unbalanced after that turn. Alright, next question would be favorite non-combat star of destiny, Charles.
1: Okay, I'm gonna have to go with Barbara, the ever storage keeper of all your goods. Yes, And she's also a very very good babushka type of character.
0: In the original recording, I would have said the elevator guy, but then I remembered this old lady named Taki, who you just have to keep talking to just to recruit her. Only she would have made me consider putting cheese on beer. (laughs) Then again, I never drank beer or cheese on beer. (laughs) But hey, maybe if you guys are listening, want to try cheese on top of beer and see how much it curdles? Is it good for your stomach? We'll find out. <laughs> yep, yep. Now, a close second, though, for me,
1: I, have to, I just want to quickly mention is, uh, what's his name? The general, the dog, Rid- Ridley. Ridley. He's also a very interesting <laughs> character, especially since you can have him die and have his son, Boris, take his place. All right. Next, light blue lightning round question: favorite non true ru- uh, non true rune
0: has to be the balance rune, so Nanami won't get unbalanced.
1: <laughs> and I'm probably gonna have to go with Kasumi's shrike rune. Yep. Grab suplex. <laughs> All right. And now the next blue lightning round question is favorite character arc. Oh, wait, no, I said story arc. Yeah, this is character arc, like specific characters' progression.
0: Okay, so we said the main character is fine. Um, Hayo on the cooking mini game challenge. Because at first it's like saying, Oh, who's this random chef trying to take my chef out of business? And then eventually you'll find out because he's keeping a secret recipe and keeping it in the memory of his dead girlfriend. Who you'll see in Suikoden 5, mm-hmm. you'll already, you'll already fight the dad in Sweet and 2, but he'll also be part of the 108 stars of Destiny in the fifth iteration of Suikoden. So this cooking minigame is not just for shits and giggles and me winning because of real tempura recipe. It's because of Hayo and his character art. You'll find out he was part of this certain group of evil, I think, or mean chefs who will do anything just to keep this recipe for them
1: it's kind of like the team rocket of chefs now for character arc i've already mentioned shu right but other than other than him i felt that another solid story arc uh to follow from suikoden 2 is i'm not going to mention clive because I'm pretty sure that's like a fan favorite for a lot of people already. Because of the very mysterious howling, uh, howling voice guild. So that aside, I'm probably gonna have to bring up Sierra. <laughs> because, because my girl, my girl Sierra, the mistress, the queen of all vampires of the Suiguden world, had a very, very tragic backstory. From, Uh, the Blue Moon Rune from the very first stages and all of the bloodthirst that comes with it to establishing the village and then that bastard necklord just ruins everything and and her eventual uh, non-canonical but implied marriage with my homeboy Nash so her arc was great as well because it showed a lot of the it did a lot in terms of Uh, telling the story of this vampire, this mysterious vampire character. And, you know, Sierra's just such a great character, I feel, overall.
0: Wait, the next Blue Lightning round is what? Oh! Bonus
1: round! Bonus
0: round! Not to be confused with Street Fighter bonus round. It's your favorite incarnation of Genie and Vicky. These two characters have been added on almost... All five Suikoden's. I think they're all there. Hopefully. So fine. My best iteration of Jeannie would be Suikoden 2. Because that's the first time I see her. And Vicky in Suikoden 3. Because there's two Vicky's for the price of one Suikoden game. How about you, Charles?
1: I would say for Jeannie it would be the first. Because she's very. she seems a lot more playful in that game than in the others. Because in one, she's still very playful. Despite being rather mysterious and you know, as she was in two onwards, she became much more sultry, dark, mysterious, which isn't a bad thing. I everybody loves a dark, mysterious hottie with with continuously decreasing amounts of clothing, and I don't understand why. But you know, in, in one, she was still very, um, uh, she was actually very genie ish, like you would imagine, she's like something like out of Shantae, so that kind of outfit, which is very playful and fun. As for Vicky. I might have to say Suicidin 2, because that's the game where uh, I first encountered her, and she was very fun to have around, especially with the gamble of her blinking rune, always uh, at risk of doing something wrong. And that's when I first realized that not all the abilities that you have in Suikoden 2 will be guaranteed. Sometimes they will be like, oh, what are the odds of something bad happening here?
0: Alright, and thanks to Suikoden 2 20 years ago, it had like offshoot games like Suikoden Gaiden 1 and 2, featuring our homeboy Nash, who we will see in the main timeline in the third installment of Suikoden. And it also has a Suikoden card game, as you mentioned. So, any closing thoughts about this, Charles? This game? I would have to say that,
1: as uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, if you can make time for a game that requires a certain level of investment like Suikoden so into, as an RPG of, you know, the PS1 era. You should. Take the time and it will pay off. So you get into easily has one of the most uh, complex, mature story themes that you will find in, you know, a lot of RPGs. Like, it's not as dark as something like, let's say, Xenogears or something as... Epic in terms of scale, like a world-shattering uh, meteor, like in FF7. No, this is a, this is a story about a country, about a sing, oh, about two countries at war, and the consequences that it has on the people that inhabit these two countries. Because in *Siegwarden 2*, you'll be gathering the 108 stars of destiny. Some of them, not all of them, will be fighters or warriors of Unparalleled caliber. Some of these people are housewives. Some of these people are innkeepers, blacksmiths, scientists. Some of these are or just ordinary people who are, you know, rap, who suddenly get caught up in a war that they had no say in. Caught up in a war that is now threatening everything that they hold dear to them. So they have no other choice but to fight to protect what's important to them. So I feel that this game really tells uh, a story that frames war from a very human perspective. One that's not just about like historically narrating, oh, this is what happened in this war. This this battle happened here. These people killed these people there. It's something that shows you the perspective of how an ordinary person, how someone on the ground can be affected by something like a war.
0: All right. For me, um, this game made me actually play un-RPG religiously. I think this is the first RPG game that got me hooked. Uh FF 8 and 9 came afterwards. I didn't finish 8 because pirated CD. 9 I did finish, but this is the only RPG game that I kept replaying and replaying until my PS1 clunked out. And then I kept replaying this in my PSX emulator in the PC. From a non-RPG fan, this made me religiously followed the Suikoden RPG series which unfortunately is not here anymore but I guess it ended at a good time because uh, well life happens and adulting happens so I doubt I have enough time to fully engross myself to play a Suikoden-esque game currently so I'm thankful that during my childhood during my student days I got to play Suikoden to end its succeeding games. And it was a fun game and still resonating to me, resonating to Charles, even to the fan community that holds Suikoden day. Or yeah, I think I think they have plans this December. I hope they do. If not, whatever. Hey, happy twentieth anniversary, Suikoden, for your twentieth anniversary release in Japan. And next year it'll be their twentieth anniversary release around the world.
1: So yeah, it's gonna be the, uh, the International Sweden community is celebrating they have like contests like uh, fan fiction writing fan art cosplay and it's usually shared by you know all these different um, fans from all around the world and even locally we uh, we had uh, Sweden conventions uh, back in like, a, year, a couple of years ago although there hasn't been a new one recently, But hopefully, maybe someday we'll have another resurgence of these various fans from all around the country, all around the world, just celebrating a game that is about community, that is about friends, about people getting together around something that they love. So whether it be trying to protect a country or whether it's just, you know, ensuring you and your friends can get together and, you know, celebrate something that you all share and have in common that you all love. I think that's something that can be easily forgotten uh, in today's kind of environment where there's a lot of toxicity going on. So it, it really helps to have something that reminds you that we can get together the, as a community, as a group of like-minded people and celebrate what brings us together and not what divides us.
0: Amen. And yeah, aside from Suikoden bringing me to the RPG genre... This is the first game that got me into full weeb mode. Like, oh god, is there a cool fan art here? Hey, look, there's this like doujin series. S- safe for work, okay? It's a, it's, a, it's a family-friendly one with middle tails or something like that. Or even I, it made me check out fanfiction. This is the reason why I found out about Fanfic.net. It's Suikoden 2. So yeah, it's the first video game that got me into... A fandom. The next one would have been Mass Effect and then Persona 5. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is the first game that made me go all out weeb. Rachels, Charles, thank you so much. And uh, where can we find you online?
1: Well, you can find me on Critical Index at criticalindex.net where I'll be writing uh, an article on Xavier Woods very, very soon. You can also check out some of the other stuff I've written uh, about like the recent ESGS 2018 and as well as other articles regarding Nintendo in particular, which I happen to enjoy writing about for some reason or another. Also, we're recording this on the day—the day after Smash is released—so that's probably one reason why I have my s- Switch over here somewhere. But uh, yeah, you can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, at Sword Nine.
0: So, Martin before I do my usual spiel, man, that DLC announcement of Joker, I did not see that coming. Wow, wink, wow, wink.
1: Wow, wow, wow.
0: I didn't see that one coming. And I guess you guys didn't too. But yes, you can catch me and Charles again, where? At criticalindex.net. You can like us on Facebook as, as well. That's criticalindex on the Facebook, facebook.com slash criticalindex. Please do check out our other shows here at tell 14. Jobber Talk, which will feature me and Charles again, depending on which show you'll be listening to first. So if you listen to us on Jobber Talk, hello, wrestling fans. Why are you still listening right now? Unless you're a Suikoden fan, then hello. Thank you for listening for the whole episode. Me and Charles are grateful. Uh, also, check out Third World Licks. It has a new episode. Uh, also, Bodega and critically acclaimed Radio Norm. Please have six seasons and a spoken word tour. And on behalf of Charles, this is Martin. We will see you again next year on Third World Gaming featuring Critical Index. Only here at Channel14.com. Stolteham back the Third.